Welcome to Retirementals, a podcast that dives headfirst into the issues facing the financial sector at the intersection of investment, technology and financial advice. Hosted by Abraham Oksanya, you can expect raw honesty, critical analysis and energetic interviews. Here is your host, Abraham Okasanya. Good afternoon, good morning, good day, wherever you are, and welcome again to Retirementals. I'm Abraham Okasanya, and I'm so, so delighted to have you on the podcast listening. Uh, and of course, I'm excited uh, by my guest today. Paul Cleworth is the uh, Managing Director and Chartered Financial, Certified Financial Planner uh, at Tandem Financial. I've known Paul for quite a number of years now, and his business never ceases to amaze me. So, Paul, welcome to Retirementals. Thank you very much, Abraham. What a what a build up, eh? Thank you. Very good. Uh, no, no, <laughs> I, I definitely mean that. Or, or we could talk about, I don't know, Christmas. You know, we're, we're recording this on the 2nd of uh, December and, uh, you know, the light in the neighborhood, the Christmas lights are up and all that. And I'm, I am very excited about Christmas. We could talk about that or we could talk about you. <laughs> Well, I'm happy to talk about whatever you'd like. I uh, I know my children were very happy this morning to open up uh, their, their advent calendars and get more chocolates. So, uh, you know, and my wife's now panicking about Christmas presents and Christmas lists. So uh, lots going on here, feeling a little bit festive. Uh, and thankfully, it's now December rather than Christmas music in October, you know, but um, whatever you want to talk about. I, uh, I quite enjoy Christmas. Yeah, we, yeah, we wouldn't talk too much about that. Look. Paul, I, I, I really mean that. I'm excited to have you on the on the podcast. So I think for the purpose of our listeners, what would be great is if you tell us a little bit about about yourself, tell us a little bit about about the business, and then sure. we can we can take it from there. Yeah, for sure. So so my name is Paul Clurth. I'm the managing director and sole advisor at uh, Tandem Financial. Uh, Tandem's been going now for six and a half years since May 2016. Um, and, um, you know, it was born out of um, me wanting to do what I do best, which is, be, you know, financial advice, speaking to clients, and uh, the thing that I enjoy the most. And it was trying to do it in a way that uh, was more in keeping with my values and, uh, you know, how I like to do things. So, you know, having been an advisor for 22 years now, uh, you know, I've, I've been around them a little bit, but, uh, I really enjoy what I do and I and tandem's going from strength to strength. So uh, it's just onwards and upwards. You know, I'm only I'm only 46, so I do hopefully have quite a few more years in me yet. Uh, and uh, luckily, as I say, I enjoy my job. So cool stuff, cool stuff. So so I, I met you probably about a de- decade ago in in your in your uh, for, former business uh, that, that you were part of before you uh, venture out on your own. You you're a partner and owner and co-owner in that business and, and then you've ventured um out, out on your own and today so give us a sense of where the business is what 
a, a hundred and twenty-five, a hundred and thirty million of of assets. Tell us about the client. Give me a sense of revenue. I was so, so saying to you before the call, before we went live, that you know we're all financial. You know, when I talk to financial planner, I always ask them about their numbers, and these are yeah. financial people, and they're like, uh, I, I, I don't want to say AUM or revenue or profit, and I'm like, yeah. okay, I just want to know if you're happy to share. If not, that's that's totally fine. No, I'll, tell, I'll tell you all the. Numbers. I think uh, um, you know it's interesting to, for me to to understand uh, what other people do. I am interested in what other firms are doing and, and uh, what their numbers are. So 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 here am I. So um, we are uh, three and a half staff, if you like, at the moment. Uh, myself, um, Kevin, my power planner of fourteen and a bit years. Uh, Catherine for three and a half years. She's our client services manager, uh, and then my wife, who's I say the half, uh, which sounds terrible, but she does the accounts and the books and that sort of thing. So we have an outsourced uh, um, mortgage advisor, uh, mortgage broker, and, I, and, I, and a, an affiliate mortgage broker and an affiliate will writer. So I don't employ them fully. And um, we are looking for a new member of staff at the moment. So I've got my uh, sort of, uh, you know, cast my net with a couple of recruitment agents to try and find a, another client services administrator, but so three and a half staff essentially. Um, when Tanham started, we had about 44 million of assets, and, and now it's around about 120, 121. It has been ever so slightly higher, and, and every financial planning firm, I'm sure, knows this, that over the last 10, 11 months, they probably saw a peak at the end of last year, and then it's come down and come back up again. It's been a bit choppy since. So about 120 million of assets that we manage, and we've just completed our accounts to the end of March 2022, and our turnover is 1.18 million. Um, recurring revenue is about 90%, 92%. Um, there's 375 total clients. Um, so that's, again, me as a one advisor firm looking after those. But we, we put them in groups of, in families. And so there's 215 client families. Um, not every client has got, you know, wife and two kids on the books with us. Um, but we do have some that are five, six, some that are, that are single. So it's 215 client families. Um, the, the average per client family is about 640,000 of assets that we manage. And I will do 80 to 85 client meetings a year. Um, the rest of it, and they're not all face-to-face. -face. Some of them are Teams and Zoom, but I'm trying to do more face-to-face. -face. I much prefer it. So um, don't do a lot of transactional work. Um, we do uh, mostly the simple stuff, pension savings, investments, and obviously proper financial planning and tax planning with our clients. First of all, let's hope that Hallison, your your wife, is not listening to this podcast. You referring to <laughs> Let's hope. No, that. she's definitely she's my better half. Put it that way. She's my better, <laughs> better half. half. I like that. Okay, good yeah. stuff. And right. but these are you know incredible numbers. You know, so first, you know, the one that hit me is you know as a solo advisor, you were you were keen to emphasize that as a solo advisor, um, you know, turning over, you know, 1.2 million a year, that is just insane. That will put you in the top, probably 0.5%, uh, if not 
0.1% of uh, advice, uh, ad advisor, you know, revenue per, per advisor. And for the uninitiated, the figure is actually published by the FCA. It's something like £160,000 uh, revenue per advisor. It doesn't seem to change massively. Uh, it actually falls, uh, you know, as, as the firm uh, get, get bigger and you, you introduce yeah. layers and layers of management. But no, that is... Um, incredible isn't it oh thank you thank you i mean i it's what you compare yourself to i'm i'm not really that concerned about in any way about comparing myself to what other advisors are doing themselves i just want to do the best that i can do and 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 you know if you if you're running a successful firm if you're happy with what you're doing if you've got great clients and you're keeping them happy you know it's it comes down to efficiencies i'm very big on efficiencies and how can i do things more efficiently but you know i don't have aspirations to sort of get to a certain level of, of assets under management you know I, I don't want to grow the firm to the point where we've got 20 staff you know it's, it's much more of a lifestyle business i just happen to have some pretty nice clients and, and they have some decent assets and so we our sweet spot if you like i think is is sort of one to three million clients with that sort of level of assets that's what i like dealing with um and ones that want to essentially delegate their finances to a large extent to us and say just you do it get on with it um but you can add a lot of value to clients in that range with the tax planning alone and the strategy. So that's the best thing that I enjoy. It's too early in the post podcast, Paul, for me to fight you. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but I'm going to do it anyway. I have to be honest. I really have a problem with, you know, this idea, this framework um, when planners, especially the, the good ones, right? They say to me, we've got a great, you know, solo advice practice. I don't really want to build it, to scale it, you know, to 20. And I'm like, why? Why not? You know, like if you've got a great business that is delivering value to clients. Yeah. Why wouldn't you want to scale it? Why wouldn't you want to grow? I mean, well, I can answer that. Good. I can answer that question for you. Um, I think that perhaps that at my previous firm, where there were more staff, maybe there was about 12, 13 at the time, um, you know, I felt that I was I was wearing too many hats and I, and I was just too busy, you know, doing too many things. And, and I was always sort of had the opinion for a number of years previously. And you'd ask people and you think about, you know, setting up on your own and, and doing it your own way and thinking, can I do it better? You know, can I do it in a way that I'm happier doing it? You know, and, and a lot of people will lead you to believe that you can't do it on your own or that there's too much work or that you'll be you'll be doing even more work. And that's just not true. You know, you can outsource these days, as, as you very well know. So our, our compliance, our marketing, uh, uh, our, our communications, you know, a lot of our IT, it's outsourced. Mortgages, wills are outsourced. What do we do in house? We do what we're good at. We do financial planning. We use the platform of choice being Transact. We, we have 90% of the assets on there, if not more. And, um, you know, we, we build relationships with clients. And, and so it's not as if I'm not looking for new business. Um, I, I love taking on new clients. It's the challenge of it. It makes it, it everybody's uh, different and it's, it's fresh and it makes it fun. And it's the lifeblood of building a company, taking on new clients. But my, the, the issue that you get is it's the toss up when you build to a business where it's profitable, it's generating good revenue, good recurring revenue. It's a question of, do I want to take on lots more staff and scale it dramatically? And if so, why? Is it for more money? You know, is it, is it because I, is it, is it, it shouldn't be all about that. Um, 
I want to keep my existing staff happy and I want to have a good uh, lifestyle. And, and, and obviously I want to keep my existing clients, um, you know, with us. And as some get older and move off or they, they go into drawdown and they take the money off, you've got to replace that if you want to keep moving forward. So um, plus, you know, I don't have room in my barn, which is now our head office for 20 more people. So I really don't want to manage lots and lots of people. Um, and it's, 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 I know some people in my position would go the other way and, and, and rent a big office and, and say, right, get lots of advisors and just say, you do it, you do it. And I, that's just not the way I want to go. So horses for courses. Yeah. All right. I'll stop fighting you. <laughs> cool stuff. So, so talk to me about, um, you know, the, the the client proposition. One of the things you've you've always done incredibly well. You know, it comes out in your marketing. Your marketing is brilliant, by the way. Um, you know, we'll we'll come back to that, and maybe we'll get to it as part of this conversation. But I want to get to this idea of value, you know, your your proposition to clients. One of these things you've you've always done really well is, you know, focusing not on the money, uh, you know, or even the planning as such, but on the life that the clients want to create. You've you've got all this, uh, you know, really interesting stuff about, you know, a bucket list that, you know, people, you know, things that. <laughs> People want to do. They want to check off their their list. Talk talk a little bit about that. Okay, okay. So um, I think it's it's it comes down to being a people person and enjoying that part of the job. If you if you see a new client and all you're thinking about from the get go is what can I sell them? You know what assets do they have? What can I transfer? What can I make from them? And you're not interested in the client. They see through that very quickly. I think so. There is definitely a um, a, a point where for new referrals, I get lots of referrals from existing clients. All of our business for six years has been referrals. You know, there's no marketing insofar as there's no paid marketing with unbiased vouch for or you know trying to source leads from a company. They don't do any of that. It's all referral. But but I'm batting away a lot of referrals because they're not they're not there's not a good fit. And I I prefer to have the fit be right first. So what does that mean? It means that. A, I like them and they like me, that there's a good fit between what we offer, which is, you know, holistic financial planning and what the client wants. Do they want a full review or do they want to just, you know, have, have you do part of the job? Um, if, if, it's, if it's just the husband and not the wife, you know, I'm not interested. We want to work with the, with the couple, with the family. And so I will establish on a phone call or even an initial Teams chat sometimes, you know, for 20 minutes, uh, whether the client has got the right circumstances in terms of what they do, what they earn and the assets that they have. And although it's quite crass talking about levels of assets that they have, the reality is, is, is that I won't see them if they if they lovely uh, people, but they've got 50,000 to invest. I'll say, look, we're not the right firm for you. You know what I'd have to charge you wouldn't be worth the, the while for you. Uh, and I would point them in the direction of perhaps Vanguard Investor online or something to do it themselves. Um, but if a, if a client does have a, a complicated circumstances, so they've got lots of pensions and assets and you know protection policies and properties and so forth. And especially if they run a business or if they're a professional, um, you know, I love working with clients like that. And so you get them in, you know, and, and then my job is to, is to ultimately try and simplify things for them. You know, I think that we forget that you, a lot of advisors, in my opinion, you know, talk about how qualified they are, how great they are, you know, what they can do and forget to ask quality questions to the client to have them unload what their objectives are and what, they, what their feelings are. 
So I will talk to them about uh, the end goal, like perhaps all financial planners do and work it backwards. But I much prefer to work on the relationship. And I gesticulate and I try to make jokes and try to use my personality. And some will joke that I don't have one, but Nick Lincoln, for example. But uh, <laughs> um, they, What I will try and do is have fun with the client and then jump from the serious to a bit of comedy and get them talking and get them thinking. And uh, I will show them visual aids and I'll show them PowerPoint presentations and I will ask them questions. And uh, it's this notion that the clients maybe understand 10% of what you're saying, but they take on about 90% of your body language. Um, if at the end of the meeting, being a salesman, ultimately, I can have the client agree that there's a good fit between us, if that's the case, um, you know, it's about how, how can I most efficiently take on board this client, do the job of producing a financial report that is easy and that's intelligible, that's easy to read and understand, and then the client can sort of take action. So, you know, what you don't do is give a client eight, eight options. You know, you give them two or three and you help guide their decision. You know, it's about bringing them to a decision and closing them on something and helping them make a good decision with their money. Um, so I just think we've got that that process down to a T. And then and once you've taken the client on, it's then the case of how can I keep them happy? You know, how can I be different? Uh, not necessarily, you know, write a totally different report every year, but to sort of incorporate another aspect of financial planning or talk to them about their mindset or well-being or maybe it's this time about estate planning and let's get, because you can't do it all in, in day one, as much as you'd like to, and you put a big list of recommendations and some clients follow them all, they do, but it, rarely can you cover everything in one report. You know, there's just new things that happen in their lives. Um, so yeah, we, we developed the two websites, the Tandem Financial for, you know, this is the light, the, uh, the, the obviously about finance in itself and the relationship. Um, and then planning your adventure as a second sister website, if you like, to talk about you know where you would aspire to get to when you achieve financial independence things that you want to do so it's about inspiring the client to do something with their life and have a purpose and have a meaning and enjoy it as much as possible and the the planning your adventure website is that to talk to existing clients is it meant to attract new ones um, you know, how, how does that work in your mind? Yeah, so, so it's a, I think it's a combination. What we do, when we've just redone our website, the tandemfinancial.co.uk, on the homepage as you scroll down, there is a link from there directly to the Planning Your Adventure site. So planningyouradventure.co.uk is not a, a separate company. It's not really a separate brand. Planning Your Adventure is actually the strap line of Tandem Financial. So on the brand, it says Tandem Planning Your Adventure. That's our sort of three-word catchphrase, if you like. And so we decided to have the, the, the Tandem website, Tandem Financial, and then Plan Your Adventure as a second site. I, I will talk to clients in the first, you know, when I've had a chat with them on the phone, if I'm going to book them in for a first meeting, um, we have a process where we'll send the client uh, uh, an email, of course, with a fact find, they do a risk questionnaire, and I will guide them to have a look at our websites um, and, and say, have a look, have a quick nosy. Um, sometimes, it's usually before the first meeting, so when they come in, they might have had a look. If they've had a look fine, if they've not, which is often the case as well, you know, I might refer to it as part of the discussion with the client and say, did you know we've got this other site? Have a look on there. There's 350 articles you can read. There's ideas, there's inspiration. And it's about whether it's relevant at the time. You know, if a client's, you know, dead keen on sorting their pensions out or they need protection or they need a plan or strategy or they need someone to tidy up what they have, the focus will be on that initially. And then as we have meetings down the line, I might bring in the discussion about planning your adventure. Um, so we have, you know, two core agendas for clients. 
uh, and two core PowerPoint presentations for a meeting. One's pre-retirement, one's post-retirement, and the wording's slightly different, but the, 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 the core aspects of it are usually quite similar. Um, you know, the, 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 the areas of finance that you'll discuss, you might say, well, you're good at these areas, let's focus on this one, um, and let's talk about, uh, do you want to speak to about estate planning and wills and LPAs and stuff? So we will, I'll gauge that before the meeting, elaborate on it in the meeting, and follow it up by sending them some useful uh, a video I want them to watch on our site, direct them to a, an article I've, we've written, and say, have a look at this. And it, it's not trying to dictate the, what the client has to do. It's just trying to give them ideas and try to inspire them and, and, and have them think about the issue. You know, and, and, and they talk to you all the time about, uh, if you ask the question about what they want to do, you know, what things interest you, what bring you, brings you joy and fulfillment. Clients uh, talks about going on holiday a lot. And so you ask the question, when was the last holiday? You, you, you know, when did you last go? And then they go, oh, I haven't been for a while. It's been COVID, pandemic. And I, I, what I'm trying to do is have them make a decision and plan it out and do something. And the more you can do that and have the client take action and understand what's important to them, the rest of it becomes easy. The, the finance part, the sort of uh, the, 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 the planning part, that just becomes secondary. It shouldn't be, for me, the motivation of, look how clever I am. Look at this very complicated tax planning. Give me credit for writing this amazing report and saving you this much tax. You know, you should definitely explain those things to a client, but it shouldn't be the main focus. The relationship and what the client does and how they do it and what brings them joy and fulfillment should be a bigger part of it for me. So talk to me about your marketing. Uh, what do you do with them? You have a lot of marketing collateral. You have the website. You have hundreds uh, of uh, articles. I know you do a quarterly uh, newsletter, you know, probably something monthly as well. Yeah. So what we do is we send, uh, yeah, we don't send, I know some firms send uh, um, emails weekly. And I suppose if you're a massive firm and you've got a marketing department and you want to do that, that's that's fine. If you've got a massive client base, you know, you have to have uh, uh, more touch points. What we found that worked for us is to have um, uh, six emails a year minimum go once every other month, go from tandem about financial topics. And, and in between those, one from planning your adventure with articles that can inspire a client to do stuff. That's, again, non-finance related. We, we'll still do the budget email or autumn statement or both. You know, there's a Christmas email and there might be an ad hoc one as there was when we had this sort of Ukraine-Russia war invasion and I sent a, an ad hoc email and, and tried to address it straight away in the reassurance emails. Um, but, but I find that if you, if you, you know, if you send too many, they just get missed, they don't get read. Um, we have a 60% open rate on our emails from MailChimp, which, I'm, which is quite good. And, uh, you know, the, the, we thinned out the number of articles on our website when we changed over fairly recently and we put on, you know, a, a few less and we're trying to, you know, revolve those and, and make sure they're always up to speed. But there's, there's, there's videos, there's articles, there's, there's one-page PDFs. And I, I'm just trying to do it in a way where I can appeal to people based on what they want to do. Do they want to watch a video? Do they want to read an article? How can I make it visual? How can I make it easy to read on a phone, on a tablet? Um, and I don't want to bombard them with too much. I guess the question everyone on this podcast is asking is, who's your marketing agency? <laughs> well, I'll tell you because it says at the bottom of our website anyway. So I, I, uh, I use Creative Advisor. I've got a lot of time for them. Um, they're absolutely amazing. And... Um, they, they've, I think they work with about 30 or 40 firms and they're very, very selective. Um, I'm pleased to say that um, 
uh, lots of, uh, of other firms have gone to them and said, can you do me, you know, can you, can you do me a site like Tandems? And, and they say, we could, but we're not going to, because, you, you know, you, we're not going to just copy it for you. You have to do it afresh. And it's important that I've had that arrangement with them and, and they think the same way I do, that you've got to be original and be yourself. Um, so by all means, you know, call Steve up, Steve Hill up, Creative Advisor, if you want a great website and see what he says and he'll decide whether he wants to work with you. Um, like myself, they're quite, they're very busy and they've got a full, a largely full client bank, if you like. So they're selective. And I think, to be honest, you have to be. You have to be selective when you get to a point within your career where you think, well, okay, what kind of client do I specialize in working with? Who do I enjoy working with? You know, it's not just more, more, more. Um, and, and I'll take on anybody. Uh, and I'll have an arm that does, ev I'll do everything. Because I don't want to be a jack of all trades. I'd rather do one thing well, um, rather than do everything poorly. It's interesting because the last time I asked you that question, I think what you said to me was, oh, I, I don't like telling people my marketing agency because I don't want to <laughs> Yeah, but they put it on the bottom of the website so people could find out. Couldn't they? So, yeah. Good stuff, good stuff. So you outsource other things in the business, right? As you, you referred to earlier on. So tell me what else do you outsource? You don't need necessarily to tell, uh, you know, who you outsource them to. Oh, okay, uh, okay. So so we, uh, as I say, things like mortgages, wills, they're outsourced. Um, we don't get uh, a lot of inquiries for DB transfers and that sort of thing. I don't have the permissions for that, so I don't do them. Um, but uh, um, in terms of aspects of running the business, you know, I'll uh, we outsource compliance. Um, and I have uh, two companies actually that help me. One's one that does the audit uh, every year, and you know, I get to look on their their online website and get the newsletters and stuff like that. But I have a chap that I've been using for a long, long time since I started at Tandem, and I've known him nearly twenty years, and he comes in. Four times a year, it helps me with my uh, sort of connect, Gabriel, RMAR reports. Um, it does all of the file reviews, that sort of thing. And together, you know, we can just get it all done, get it all, you know, all of the things done in line. If you were to start off with a new firm and you needed to put together your compliance folder with every document you could need, wow, it takes a lot of effort. It's just huge amounts of effort. And somebody's got to be on the ball, updating them, reviewing them. Now, you know, that's partly the reason I outsource it and get a guy in, but it's not a full-time position for us. I think some firms think that they need a full-time marketeer in-house and they need a full-time compliance person in-house. If you're a big enough firm, you probably do. Um, but for me, you know, the, the, it's not, we're not there yet. We've got enough, um, you know, uh, we, 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 we can outsource uh, and it's cheaper to do that. And you get a, you, you buy in the expertise. So, so in-house, we'll do the... Um, uh, the financial planning and the power planning and all the admin in-house, you know. So the only things I outsource essentially are the compliance and the marketing. Um, you know, we have a, an outsourced IT company as well, but the, the chap who runs it is a very good friend of mine and I've known him a long time. So, yes, the telephones and IT, that's sort of outsourced as well. But um, it's, um, it's, it's, I don't outsource power planning and, and, my mark and uh, you know, uh, admin support elsewhere. So it's, uh, it's all in the office. So talk to me about the, the the investment philosophy, the investment process, what you do around okay. that side of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember when I was uh, when I was chatting to you when I was setting up Tandem and I had this idea that, uh, you know, we could use uh, the UK National Park, selected ones, to, to <laughs> replicate. 
to replicate our, our seven risk profiles. And we went with these seven risk profiles because it sort of went hand in hand with the way that Finometrica did it. And they so they opted out. So I thought, okay, we'll have the seven. I know some firms have five, some have 10, and some have even more. But, but we thought, okay, we'll have the seven. What can I name them? And and we, when we started off, we ended up giving them two names. One, the name of a, of, a, of a national park, and two, the name of the risk profile itself. So we had defensive at the bottom end, and we had speculative at the top. And we've recently got rid of all of those names uh, from moderate, confident, adventurous, got rid of all of them. And now it's just still the name of the park. So it's uh, um, the bottom one is, is the broads, and the top one is Cairngorms, uh, and there are ones in between. And, it, and with the topography of the land, the more volatile, the more, the more you know, so it's as, as, as the other financial planners would say, it's not about risk, it's about volatility. And, and so we, all of our models are passive and indexed uh, funds. I, um, you know, I'm all about low cost and passive and index, similar to yourself, but so with, with timeline. Um, but I wanted to retain the identity of what we do. Um, and and uh, it's part of our branding. So, so trails, you know, tandem risk assessed investment levels, you know, it, it is an acronym. It sort of uh, works for me because, of course, you know, if you're going on a hiking trail, you go. It's, it's about paths and journeys and movements. So it sort of all worked well to explain the journey with the client. But the underlying funds, there's ten of them. They're largely Dimensional and Vanguard. You know, so it's not revolutionary. But what it is trying to do is to help the client understand what the differences are between them and uh, um, to identify which one they're in when we speak to them and sort of say, should we change that profile? You know, uh, is there a reason to move up or down the risk spectrum? Um, and and as, as the years have gone by, I sort of wished to an extent that I'd had just one profile. It's like you're all going into this one. That would be even <laughs> easier. You know, <laughs> to have more and, and is, is, is a bit harder work. But then again, it's just, yeah, you can do that with a new firm. Now changing all of the models back to one is, is a lot of hard work. And saying, right, you're all going into 100% equity. That's it. That's just tricky to do, so we're not going to do that anytime soon. Where do people sort of tend? Do they tend towards, uh, you know, uh, the the higher equity portfolio or in the yeah, middle? Yeah, well, it, it's all it's a, it's a cliche almost because you know with the standard deviation bell curve and you and you do a phenometric report, it's almost as if with these twenty five psychometric questions and then a further discussion with yourself. You know that lots of clients land in the middle somewhere. So moderate, perhaps no surprises are, which is which is actually called peak district, is is uh, is in the middle, and it's the one that's the most popular. The the next one up Northumberland, which is our sort of seventy thirty split, and that's what we now name them. It's the name of the park plus the equity bond split. So if you're in the middle one, peak district, you're sixty forty equity bond. Um, but I think that given the experience we've had over the last sort of twelve months, and just through further research and my thought process having, you know, taken on some of the wisdom of Nick Murray. Um, you know, I think what I do is, is, is have them do the risk questionnaire, discuss it with them and, and show them the differences, the past return, the potential return, talk about volatility. And then if anything, I'd be probably encouraging them up the risk spectrum more to include more equities um, if it's appropriate for them and possibly to, to counter that if need be to just to top up cash a little bit. You know, so I think that a lot of people that are in their 30s and 40s that end up in moderate because it's default because they think, oh, I don't know, I'll go in the middle. And it's a lazy choice, especially if they're pound cost averaging lots of regular premiums. They can absolutely afford to be much higher up on the risk spectrum and go to even Cairngorms, which is 100% equities. It's only six funds, but it's 12,500 stock and bond holdings. And when you're holding your assets, you know, as per market cap, globally invested, 
what's the risk really? You know, you've got obviously equity risk and you've got, you know, market, stock market risk and systemic risk and all of this. However, it's just volatility risk, short-term declines, you know, long-term gain. It's just why, why at that age own too much in bonds? You know, it doesn't make any sense. So it's hard to have that discussion sometimes with clients, but it's where my focus has gone. And I'm, you know, having, we always discuss it. It's risk, it's the first thing on the agenda, isn't it? Risk profile, it always is. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. And look, I'm going to give you a live sales speech. I, I was stopping myself so much from doing it, but you kind of stuck your head in it. So here it goes. Right, like I oh, I have to go to now. You, Sorry, I'm signing off. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like I said to you, you can still keep your trails, your portfolio nomenclature, and timeline will manage it for you. What we would bring to the process is three things. Yeah. Hang on, hang on. Is institutional share class, which will be means the cost will, will, will be lower, or about the same once you introduce our own costs to it. Technology, and we'll absent all the administration and the management. You keep your brand and everything, right? So, so well, I have, I have not in any way discounted that at all. I've not explored it enough. I think you're wonderful, Abraham, and I'm going to look at timeline more. So, just for all the people listening, if there's anyone listening, actually more than one person, um, or watching, then yes, talk to talk to Abraham about timeline. I'm going to do the same. That that that. Thank you for saying that. But, you know, that's by the way, actually. The, the other thing that you brought in in this conversation is this thing about, you know, risk profiling and getting people more towards equity investing, right? You know, which we all know intuitively, you know, based on data, that that's the right thing for most people. Where, where I agree with you and I disagree with, you know, some of the things going around in our space is you know like this idea that you know i'm just going to have one portfolio everybody that comes through the door is going to end up in that portfolio yeah. i am not going to do risk profiling and i'm like no you know because because as you know right th this profession you've proven that this profession is an incredible one that you can do good by clients and and be profitable and make a lot of money. There, there is nothing wrong with that, in my view. There is no reason to, uh, you know, to, you know, basically lose your shirts, you know, from a regulatory point of yeah, view. Yeah. I this kind of, you know, sounds to me like 1980s, 1990s type uh, framework. There's no reason to do that. I totally agree with you that I would do the risk profile. I would go a step you know, uh, you know, uh, I will show them the, the range of return, but I will go a step further than that. And again, it's possible because I have the technology known as timeline. I will show them their plan, all their goals, everything built in with a 50-50 portfolio, which will not, you know, show, use 100 years of data, and it will show that they're likely going to run out of money. Or maybe if they don't run out, uh, it might be quite tough. Or show them what the legacy is. And then I'll show them 80 portfolio and 100 portfolio. And you have a conversation with people, and you come to what I would call in informed consent, consent, which is what you're doing, by the way. I'm just doing it in a slightly different way. And it's, I think it's, it's our job. It's as it's our 
obligation as a professional to have this robust conversation with clients yeah, absolutely. and try to get them to the right place. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's it's sort of you you feel partly handcuffed to an extent by you know the regulatory framework and you know the legacy of what's happened in the country mm-hmm. over the last mm-hmm. twenty years plus. Um, I I think that it comes down as well to to sort of perception of value, right? You've got to be a really good either sales, a really good salesman or uh, very pushy to encourage every single one of your clients to all shoehorn them into the same portfolio. So if you've got seven options and you're helping guide the client's decision, the old adage, people don't like to be sold to, but they love to buy. So what are you going to do? You've got to sort of say, well, this scenario, this is why this is appropriate for you. This whole notion of suitability, of course, it's very relevant. Um, but um, yeah, I think it's putting the a bit of uh, um, meat on the bone of, of giving them the expected return because you've got to bring people down to earth when they, they've bought something in the past, a direct share or crypto or something, and they've made a lot of money and said, well, hang on, that, that's speculating. That's not investing. There's, you've got a lot of money, a million pound plus. Let's do it in a sensible way. How can I protect your assets, protect your investments to give you a reasonable rate of return, you know, to factoring in cost and inflation? You know, and I would guide them towards probably a higher equity component. And, and yeah, the more that you can show them to demonstrate that, that and put it into perspective, that works really well. And the way that we do it at the moment is to show them the past sort of 10 years, the past 20 years, and, ex- and show them the volatility, but, but ultimately the difference in what one pound becomes over that period of time. And, yeah. and, and then engage in their brain or re- re- reaffirm in their mind this notion of um, investing doesn't mean five years. It means 10 years plus and long term, you'll make money. You know, lot capital markets work long term, markets go up. And, and my, what I would always do, and I'm surprised that a lot of firms seem to not want to do this, is to encourage regular premiums and have a systems in place where you can encourage the clients to put money in lump sums to top up ISAs and pensions. Because I think that's a big part of the job to help them make that decision and not just to think about it once when you first meet them and they transfer a few plans and you set up a few regulars, but to review those regulars to top them up and to top up their plans. And by doing that over time, their growth of wealth, their value over time graph goes up because A, markets are going up, but B, they're putting money in. You know, so I always say to all of my clients, very simply, if you want to make wealth, if you want to build wealth, if you want to make money, it's three things. It's regular premiums and lump sums. You have to put money in, number one. Number two, it's time. Time in the markets, not timing the markets. And three is the discipline. It's just keeping it going no matter what. So some of the best clients that I have where I've built the rapport is they've just sort of asked me, what, what risk profile should I go in? And I'm going, just go in there. Just go in $10. <laughs> and, and we don't spend too much talking about it because you can over-talk it and you can panic the client. So the best clients, the ones that just do as they're told, you know, quite frankly. And I just, and then the, should I put more info? Yeah, you should. Yeah. And I'm not saying that so that we can make more money. It's because it's the right thing to do because they can afford to. You know, so, yeah, it's uh, reality is most clients, they need the discussion. And, and of course, you need to explain the pros and cons of it all. Um, but I'm all for uh, a higher equity content for the majority of clients, especially in, in today's market, where with bond prices having done what they've done. You know, I wish I'd done it, obviously, two years ago. Um, but, yeah, you know, you've got a legacy of clients and, and a very typical moderate average client will still have an element of bonds, whether it's I think ours was about 30 percent. 30, 70, 30 average overall. So that's why we've seen a decline in models in our assets under management over the last 12 months, especially. Um, but it's we're maintaining the value because we're doing new business and put money in. So it's, uh, you know, you just this is where you come into your own, isn't it? 
I mean, from a point of view of you, you can't complain so much. You've traveled, you've traveled <laughs> the, the AUM and assets and, you know, yeah. uh, revenue, of course, over the last six years, odd years with the same team. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's hard to believe going thinking back how, how you think how we've done that. I mean, we've had a bit of help with markets, but but, you know, I look at the uh, very simply uh, at the uh, number of new clients that I expected to get to what I've got, what the average client is. Um, and, you know, you do have to segment clients and you do have to decide who you're going to work with. What types of client do you specialize in? You know, if you if you think narrow and deep and you actually uh, ask for the type, right type of client, you ask for referrals and you do an awesome job, you get referrals. You know, it's the truth. You know, you, most of mine, they come through up without asking. And clients of mine will refer tandem, not just me, but the tandem because it's a, a team effort. It's a, it's a relationship they're getting from all, all of us, myself, Catherine and Kevin. They all work with all three of us. Um, they get in that sort of trifecta of financial planning. Um, but they, they, I don't pull them off to another advisor for one. Um, but yeah, I was just going to say that uh, um, the the I work with all the clients, and and uh, over six, seven, eight, six and a half years of building up the assets, we've got more clients that have got bigger assets, and I've encouraged more of them to put more money in. And uh, you know, just it's the riding the wave, it's the exponential curve, and it's it's not something that you can get at the very early point of your career because you know it takes time to build up a client base and build relationships and build you know contacts. Um, so anybody that's a newer advisor, and I've spoke to some recently that, uh, that have, have uh, got in touch with me because I've done a couple of PFS powers uh, and other, other webinars, and they've, they've asked me, and I'm more, more than happy to have a chat with them. Um, and it's a starting process, but, you know, it's, it's, it's not limiting your beliefs uh, and not thinking, yeah, I'll, I need to take on this client because I might not get another. I've got to refer for 200,000. You've got to know when to say no. You know, you've got to know when to segment, when to sell some clients, if, if need be, move them to another firm and to focus on what you're good at and do that. I get clients asking me to do things. I say, I don't do that. You know, Paul, I want to, uh, you know, uh, buy some crypto or you know, I want to do some, to buy some direct shares. OK, go, go and do it yourself. You know, and it's, it's, it's not said in that way exactly, of course. But if, if a client gives you a scenario which you're not familiar with and you're not good at, just don't take them on. I'm on an IFA forum where lots of people are posting, I've got this scenario, I've got this complexity. And, and they're not an expert in that area. And yet they're taking on a client where they've got all these problems and they're going to drop all their other clients and business on to say, well, let me take a week on this one. And I'm like, well, no wonder you're not making money or profitable because you're just inefficient. You take it, do all the simple stuff. Keep it. So there's no shame in just doing simple stuff. You know, um, you can still be profitable and do an awesome job. Good stuff. Good stuff. So, so you're you're a spring chicken still, very much, right? You know, you're forty six. Yes, yes, I thirty seven, thirty six. That's the camera lens. Yeah, I'm probably uh, got. I've not got makeup. No, but uh, uh, I try to keep young, Gabriel. Put it that way. But no, I'm forty six. Um, and um, yeah, been an advisor twenty two years. So since mid twenties. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so you know, you've done incredibly well. There is still life in this dog yet. Yeah, right. So, Are you so, going to ask me what the future holds? Where do you see, where do you take this? You know, easily this gets to 250 million just yourself. Does it get to half a billion just with you? How do, how, how do you get there? Um, I think what will happen, and it's a question I've been asking myself a lot recently because speaking to the staff, we're probably at, 
80, 85% capacity, which is why I'm requesting, you know, I'm, I'm looking to take another staff member on. Um, but I think it's, it's either a, um, a question of uh, actually uh, new staff member first, and then maybe another power planner. Um, and I think that as a sole advisor, I've obviously got various risks involved in being a sole advisor firm. So I may take on a trainee advisor or, or actually a full-time advisor in the future. You know, those things are open to me. I'm not, I'm not desperate to do it. And I don't personally think, okay, I need to map out the next five, 10 years of my life. You know, I'm, I'm perfectly happy with small tweaks to the business as it is at the moment. As long as no one's feeling pressured or overrun or, you know, just run ragged. The, the clients, if, if, if plates were stopping spinning or, or if people weren't getting emails back or calls, I'd be concerned. So, so it's, uh, it's, I don't envisage, uh, um, you know, half a billion of assets for one plan. I mean, that would be good for one advisor. Um, and, uh, you know, I think if, if money was the sole focus and I had very rich, uh, um, you know, footballer clients, maybe you could get there. But I think uh, of businessmen, for example. But, um, no, it's more of the same. It's, uh, it's maybe we, as a business, uh, expand a little bit with more staff. I, I, I don't want to move anytime soon for my nice barn where we've developed. You'd have to build a new barn. You'd have to... <laughs> yeah, build another barn, but add an add-on, you know, and just cram people in or move to someone else. So I don't know. It's uh, it's not something I'm... Uh, I'd rather think what's happening the next 24 months. You know, I think I can see that far. Anything much further than that, I'm not so worried. But I do plan to be an advisor for the next 10 years plus because I, I enjoy it. And my kids are only young. They're only seven and 11. So, you know, I, I don't know what I'd do with myself if I was, uh, you know, I, if, if I was not an advisor and you, you sell up, you make loads of money, great. But actually, I, I want, I've got a, a big responsibility to not only my, my staff, but also to my clients to look after them for, for this period of time. And if I was ever going to move on, I would give plenty of notice or, you know, merge with another firm or something. But it's, uh, again, it's, it's, it's just thinking of ideas as they come. It's, it's, it's exploring options. But ultimately, um, we're, we're quite happy doing what we're doing at the moment. Thinking of selling up, moving up, uh, sorry, eventually, this happens. This will happen whether you like it or not. I'm sure you, you know yeah. that is. Do you feel, do you worry about the fact that you've created a successful problem for yourself in the sense that you are the linchpin of the client relationship. It's you they know, it's you they buy. They buy into the team, don't get me wrong, but you're a solo advisor and, and yeah. directly responsible. When that time comes to move yeah. on, merge with another client or sell or whatever, do you worry about the client being able to build a relationship with a new advisor? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. And it's, it's, it's an obvious one, really, when you speak to any solo uh, advisor firm. But I, I, I think that um, in, the short, in the short term, as I say, I'm not particularly uh, looking at it uh, uh, in too much detail or worrying about it. I mean, when you think about the responsibility that, that any advisor that manages a lot of assets has, it, it can make you, you know, not sleep well at night. And I think about it a, a lot, uh, um, you know, reflect on these things and say, oh, I am, you know, quite, uh, uh, you know, it's an important cog in, in, this, in, this, in this wheel. But it's... Um, it's it's something that, that as I say, doesn't massively concern me at the moment. If I was to move on in the future and merge with another firm or whatever, you know, I would just do it gradually over two or three or four years and, and carry on introducing, you know, the uh, the clients to another firm and and uh, making sure that they had the same investment proposition, the, the same platforms that they would use, 
and importantly, the same culture. Because it's it's more important to me that I do my job well. You know, I, I know it sounds corny, but this notion of uh, integrity, absolute honesty and integrity. You know, I, I know that uh, I, I have, uh, you know, we all have emails come in every day. For me, if I don't reply to one within 24 to 48 hours, I'll feel concerned, I'll feel worried, I'll feel like I'm not doing my job. So I'll either do it myself or send a holding email and say, I've received it, I'll respond on this day, or I'll get I'll delegate it to one of the staff to respond. But we don't get the phone ringing off the hook and we don't get, you know, 700 emails every day. So we're getting through them and, and it's, uh, you know, we, we, if a client calls, we'll call back within 24 hours. That's the that's the, uh, the what we try to do, an email within 48. Um, you know, and I think that I can sleep very well at night knowing that I'm doing my job and I'm doing the best that I can. Um, and, and, you know, you've, you've got to be thinking all the time, well, I, this is what I think, how am I adding value? Have I called that client recently? You know, have I just called them up to ask them if they're okay or is there anything I can do for them? And that's my plan now to actually say, how can I engage more with my existing clients? Not, not just how can I take on loads more and make more money? That's the wrong focus. Certainly for me, it is. And, and by focusing on the client relationship and doing a great job, will be successful and continue to be successful. And that has worked well for me for the last six and a bit years. So I'd, I'd like to think I'm doing a few things right. Um, and so, yeah, small tweaks, you know, don't, don't overthink it. Incredible stuff. Paul, thank you very much for your time, for your wisdom, uh, you know, for, for being an inspiration to all of us. Thank you. Thank, thanks, Abraham. Speak to you. Take care. I'll be remiss if I don't thank my incredible team who worked very hard to put this program together. Thank you, thank you very much guys. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Timeline Retirement Planning Software and Pytech Low Cost Flat Fee Model Portfolio Manager. And to you, our listeners, thank you for your time. I hope you've had as much fun listening to the program as we have making it. You can find more about the show at retirementals.co.uk and you can follow me on Twitter. My handle is Abraham on money. Until next time, thank you and goodbye.